This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. You're listening to episode 247 of Priority One Podcast. Uh, oh, I can't do this, you guys. Mark, Winters, can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Well, I really miss Elijah. I mean, I know it's been ages, but do you think he'd ever come back on the show, like, for real? Um, hmm. hmm. Right, I'm going to go talk to him. Make a podcast. Come on, let's go record. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Maybe an interview. The audience wants more. There's jobs to do in real life, but they're not that fun. I'm not even gonna lie. Do you want to make a podcast? It'll be an awesome podcast. Go away, Kenna. Okay, bye. Well, that didn't go too well. Well, what happened? Well, he basically slammed the door in my face. Oh, I'm gonna keep trying, but I guess we better get on with the show. Okay. Greetings, Admirals. You're listening to episode 247 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded live on Thursday, November 5th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, November 9th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Mark. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello. Mark, what's coming up? There's a lot to cover this week. First up is the news that Star Trek is finally coming back to TV. Then in STO news, our guest host Tony is on to review the revamped Cardassian story arc, and we've got the lowdown on the long-awaited Tier 6 Defiant. Later, we're talking to Cryptic's own Jeremy Borticus Randall about the Admiralty system. As always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to hear from you, so chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live, or answer our community questions. You can comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, join the discussion on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or follow us on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. 
Admirals, we're getting close to our 250th episode. A new phase of Priority One is on the horizon and we've got some great things planned for you, including some familiar voices and new content. Be sure to keep your eye on our social media channels for the latest news. It's going to be a big one and we hope you can join us. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And now, let's find out more about the new Star Trek TV series. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. living under a rock for the past week, we are pleased to announce that the day has finally come, the day we've all been waiting for for 10 years. Well, some of us have been waiting for it for longer, let's be honest, but anyway. CBS has finally announced on November 2nd that a brand new Star Trek series is in the works. The new series is set to premiere in January of 2017. Now beyond that, details are very slim, but we do know a few things. The new series will premiere on CBS and thereafter will only be available on CBS's streaming service, CBS All Access. Alex Kurtzman, one of the producers of the reboot films, will be on board as executive producer, but the series will not be related to the upcoming film Star Trek Beyond. And all we have regarding what the new stories might be like is this quote from the official CBS special announcement. The brand new Star Trek will introduce new characters seeking imaginative new worlds and new civilizations while exploring the dramatic contemporary themes that have been a signature of the franchise since its inception in 1966. So let's talk about it. What do you guys think of the news? I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) He's about to lose control and I think he likes it. crickets (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so Uh, what do you actually think of the news (laughs) (laughs) no it's great it's absolutely fantastic um it's long long overdue so yeah yeah, really looking forward to this just uh you know i hope it's going to be as good as the previous ones if not better yeah well i mean i think there's a very good chance um, it's it's hard to say what it's going to be like. We have no details, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Um, it's all completely wild speculation at the moment. But personally, I am really, really thrilled that they're bringing it back to TV or mm-hmm. mm, TV-like. Um, TV-ish. Because we, TV-ish. Because we've been really missing it, I think, for 10 years. The fandom is, like, exploding over this news because... Mm-hmm. I think that the films did a lot for bringing a new audience into the Star Trek concept and the Star Trek universe, but I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say that after the first one, the 2009 one, Mm -hmm. they've fallen a little bit flat. And actually, Star Trek really is a TV show, and the movies were always a secondary piece that was added on, but at its core, it's a TV show. So I'm really, really pleased for it to be coming back to TV-ish. Okay. Good. We're in agreement then. <laughs> really uh, so, like your enthusiasm there, Mark. Hey, I'm ill. I'm trying to see as least as possible without <laughs> injuring myself and making it through the show. That, that is enthusiastic. That is enthusiastic like, for me. 
the ill equivalent of jumping up and down, <laughs> screaming in excitement. And if I actually had to jump up and down, screaming in excitement, you know fine well I would injure myself. Oh, Thump. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> no. We would sit down. Yes. Cal- calmly express your opinion. In a Vulcan-like manner. In a Vulcan-like manner. I okay, then. The so. <laughs> can I move on then? Okay. Can we? Yeah. Okay. Okay, then, so what do you guys think is the one thing that the series must do in order to satisfy fans? Or, alternatively, the one thing that they must not do? Janeway lizard babies. Really? No, kidding. I would say that's one thing (laughs) not to do. (laughs) Let's avoid that whole situation. We could have a whole story arc exploring the life of the Janeway lizard babies. Yeah. We could do. I'm I, I'm one of these people. I'm sitting in the middle, going, "What universe will it be in?" I would love it to be in the prime, mm, but yep. I think they won't abandon story that's been set up. Where it says it's not relation to the film that's coming up, <laughs> they've not ruled out that it's not in relation to that universe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that's a- hoping that it's not in the JJ first. I really hope it's not. Mm. I think they need to have a good theme for us yeah. uh, not make it like a, a sitcom or uh, you know some sort oh of oh my god it's not gonna be a sitcom winters <laughs> no but you know the theme song like you know Star Trek always had a very majestic theme tune every yes. one of the series well. except for one of them <laughs> except and for it, one it didn't do that great you know mm. and I, I don't yeah but it's been a long road again. since then oh my god here. oh I'm sorry. I'm Kill sorry. Me. You left an yeah. opening. <laughs> and it's been a long time, but our time is finally here. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I personally, I think the one thing that they must do is keep true to the spirit of all of the series that have come before and the one thing that's really always been common is uh, tackling well it's what they've said in their statement is tackling dramatic contemporary themes and I think um, especially with the political landscape which I won't go into very much um, there are a lot of issues in the current political landscape that I think they absolutely must tackle and they must tackle it in a way that's consistent with the Roddenberry vision of this sort of utopian futuristic society and if they don't do that i think most fans will feel betrayed yeah so that's my 2p so great here's 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 something do you think it's going to be on a ship or a space station i would like it to be on a ship ship. because i personally think that the core of star trek is exploration and even even ds9 managed to do a, a good amount of exploration from DS9 because they were exploring, you know, alternate universes and through the wormhole, etc. Even from that static base, but I think really that w- that was difficult to do. I think they need to be on a ship. Mm. Yeah, I'm guessing from what they've said, seeking imagine, yeah, seeking imaginative new worlds mm-hmm. implies that it's going to be on a ship. Um, yeah. So yeah, I probably would hope that it's going to be on a ship. It's going to be interesting though. Is it going to be on the Enterprise? If it is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it necessarily no. has to be. No, it doesn't have to be, but uh, it'd be a big step away from mm. previous mm. Star Treks if it's not. Well, except for that whole uh, yeah, Voyager, Voyager thing. 
That's true, actually. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> like most people tend to do. Oh! <laughs> Ooh, I know. Even though personally, I love Voyager. I love Voyager, but I get a lot of stick yeah. for loving Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I, I don't like Voyager. That was a sitcom in space. <laughs> now, I could see it being, see, like in a smaller ship, like an overclass or something along the lines of, like, Renegades. Uh, the thing that you gain by having a nice big flagship ship like the Enterprise um, obviously I'm biased because TNG is my favorite series um, is that you have a real breadth of story opportunities that you can bring into the show so you both have a lot of exploration so you've got the uh, forehead of the week uh, but you've also got a lot of <laughs> A lot of human interest stories that can take place within the crew and from a production standpoint that makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of stories that you can do without leaving the ship um, and I know they do well they used to do this a lot probably still do where they would borrow budget from certain episodes to fund other episodes mm. and so you want to take like a real close quarters episode where you're all in inside the ship and then you offset that with something where you're on this amazing new planet with lots of sets and things going on so mm -hmm. um that's the advantage to having a larger ship personally but mm. no i would don't get me wrong i would absolutely love a larger ship but this is where i think my more practical sensibilities come from we're thinking mm. right they're just launching it it's not going on network it's going to go on this access so it might not mm -hmm. have the biggest budget so i'm thinking it would make sense for a smaller ship just in terms of costing and scales initially. And well, then... now, you say that, except that it's hard to say at this point whether they're putting it on the streaming-only service as a flagship show mm -hmm. on that streaming-only service, in which case you can expect it to be pretty big budget, or whether they're putting it on that streaming service because they don't think it's big enough to hold the network. And that we don't know yet and I'm not sure we'll ever know until we see it okay so go on to the community question alright <laughs> I think we I think we've done it to death alright so that brings us to this week's community question what one thing would you most like to see in the new Star Trek series have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about a new advancement in science or tech that you would like us to cover then send it over to us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. So there's been some big news this week about a certain new ship getting released that a lot of players have been wanting for a while. But before we get into the juicy details of that, we've asked Tony to join us from our sister podcast, Guard Frequency, and review the revamped Cardassian story arc that launched with season 11. Tony, welcome back to the show. Oh, lovely to be back. You know, I, I, I talked about it the last time I was here, and so, you know, in order to keep um, you guys around doing extra work, uh, you know, I'm happy to be, be back and provide this service for you. Well, thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so why don't you get on? No, with it? I'll just yeah. So we can get out of here faster. Well, uh, first thing we got to do, we have to do a spoiler alert because we'll actually talk about some plot points in the story. So, great. We'll assume that that's done. Well, the first mission that we'll uh, we'll talk about here is spoils of war. <laughs> you get it? Because it's spoilers. Okay. Um, but it's this is your basic fetch quest mission, right? There's uh, you, you got to go find a thing. 
and uh, you don't have to kill 10 rats in the process, so that's good. So we, we leave that MMO trope behind. However, you do have to kill a bunch of uh, Mirror Universe frigates in the process. So we still get a little bit of that. But it's, it's, your, it's your typical go-get-this-thing. The, the orb of possibilities is what we're going to go find for uh, the Bajoran uh, Vedic that's uh, down on Hathon. So we're going to go get this thing. And in the process, lo and behold, guess who we find? Mirror people and a Cardassian bad guy. So we start, we get into the whole, uh, the, the guts of the uh, relationship between the mirror universe and the true way, the new and improved true way, with a very dangerous leader that we kill um, halfway through second mission. So, you know, it's really, really, you know, it's a dangerous setup, but, uh, you know, it just, it, it goes very quickly. As compared to the 11 episodes or so that we used to do, we now just, we are moving right along here. You know, introduce the bad guys, introduce the motivation, kill him in the second episode, which is Jabberwocky. Any Lewis Carroll fans out here? Me. Alice in Wonderland? Huge. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, the sequel, of course, is Through the Looking Glass, and of course, that's the... The, the theme of the mirror universe, right? Uh, everything is, you know, the mirror through the looking glass, another word for mirror, you know, okay, all that kind of stuff. So they, they, they take the, the, a poem called Jabberwocky, which was in Through the Looking Glass, and make that the title of this, because guess where we go? We go to the mirror universe, and we blow up some more ships, and we meet... Mirror Kermit? No! But that would be cool, though. I would love to meet Mira Kermit. No, no, not Mira Kermit. Mira Lita. That's where we find Mira Lita. And she's she's very angry with us for, for ruining her plans and whatnot. Uh, so that's that's a so shame on you for doing that. Uh, and what these missions do as you go through, well, they unlock recordings that you can go uh, view at Deep Space Nine, where she gives you, you know, insights into her secret plottings and machinations and whatnot. So uh, you can, it's a little extra bonus mission you can uh, use to go visit the ops uh, map in DS9 and, and go see that. So once we, once we go through the Looking Glass, which, by the way, in my research, I found out that through the Looking Glass is where we get the word chortle, which is a snorting chuckle. So there, so there we go. So if anyone chortled during Jabberwocky, you know, you get like a literary metaphoric high five. Okay. So then we go on to the factory, which is where we meet a very syncophantic Vorta. Because that's really kind of what he is. Because he's just a total jerk. He's this Vorta that's been captured by these Alpha Quadrant uh, Jemadar, and he has to make their catcher cell white for them. And he is really resentful about that. He just doesn't think this is the right way. This is not how things are. So he's really grateful when you come in and murder them all. That's, it's, it makes his day, more or less. And he volunteers to betray his founders for, him, for that. So he's really, really happy you showed up and murdered everybody. So that's, I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. So, but he does give up the fact that there's a, a, a changeling running around telling everybody that the war's still on, which, of course, is not true, but which will become true at the end of this series of episodes when the 2800 comes in. So we go to this factory, we liberate this syncophantic Vorta, and then we go. We finish off the arc, the new arc, with the new link, which is an old title of an episode that was in the old uh, arc that they cut out, but then put it back in and revamped it. And it's the link between these three episodes beforehand and the 2800 featured episode series that uh, Cryptic released a few years ago. 
So it, 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 it works on many levels. Uh, the title, it works. Uh, it's a revamp of an old episode, and it, uh, it, 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 wor- it works to hook together the Mirror Universe uh, True Way stuff with the uh, 2800 stuff that uh, we, we know from before. And it features a changeling fight, uh, just like uh, Jabberwocky did, um, which is always fun because you get to kill the same bad guy three times, which is hilarious. Uh, you kill it once as a changeling and once as a sludge monster, and then you have to kill it again as a person. So I always find that amusing. When you kill the bad guy and then it raises up twice, you're like, come on, again? I just kills you. And then, you know, but that's, that, that's it's, a, it's a feature. But did you like the new arc is the question. Oh, this is leaps and bounds, a humongous night and day improvement over the old one. The old one took forever. It was The story was kind of a mishmash. This one just goes, it just goes right through it. And it, you know, there's not not a lot of, uh, of, of wasted time or effort getting through uh, what they need you to get through to understand why is Miralita, you know, busting DS9 through dimensional time warps in the new uh, uh, Q event. Uh, you know, there's, it doesn't waste a lot of time or effort uh, getting where you need to go. And I totally dig the Las Vegas Bajor. The Las yeah. Vegas oh, Mirror yeah. Bajor. Did everybody like that? Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. there's mm. some great screenshots of it. I haven't played the, the, the new episodes yet, but I will do soon. But yes, I've seen the screenshots. Yeah, pretty fantastic. So um, hats off to the environmental guys who you know took that you know, lovely, peaceful courtyard thing and just turn it into some sort of, you know, thing we go to every year for the convention. Reminded me a lot of STLV. Good times, good memories. Fantastic. Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for that great review of the new arc. Well, you're welcome. So I'll just sit here and be mostly quiet, but I'll throw in my two cents when you guys talk about something cool. Well, that means we need to move on to that we finally have our Tier 6 Tactical Escorts. The Valiant-class tactical escort on the Fed side, Core Bird of Prey for KDF, and the Malamolite Warbird from the Romulans are coming to the Sea Store. All ships come with the Warhead Module Universal Console. The module contains a load of six torpedoes ready for simultaneous fire. Once fired, the system automatically reloads over time, but the system can be activated to fire as many torpedoes as are currently loaded. The console provides a passive bonus to projectile weapon damage as well. Let's get a few of the housekeeping items out of the way before we get to some stats. The trait Withering Barrage increases the duration of your cannon scatter volley by 4 seconds. Costumes. Each starship comes with its own unique costume but they can also use parts from lower tier ships within the same family. Make sure you check out the blog post to check for all the variations, the link of course will be in the show notes. So the ship stats. The Valiant, the hull maxes out at 40k at level 60, 44 for fleet. The ship seats are geared towards tactical, obviously, with a lieutenant commander tactical slash pilot and a lieutenant universal. Console layout, four tactical, three engineering and three science console layout, adding an extra tactical for the fleet. The core, 33,000 hull at level 60, 36,300 for the fleet. A range of lieutenant universals, lieutenant commander universals, with the lieutenant commander universal and pilot as well. Same layout as the Valiant for Tactical, 4 Tactical, 3 Engineering and 3 Science. The Fleet adds another Engineering this time though. Make sure to check out the Enhanced Battle Cloak with the Raider flanking. The Malum, our Romulan option, 36,000 hull at level 60, 39,600 at Fleet. Lieutenant Commander Universal Pilot again, Tactical Heavy Seating, duh. This time the Tactical Concert 
The console layout this time changes slightly, for 3 tactical, 3 engineering and 4 science, the fleet adding another tactical. It comes with singularity powers and the Romulan battle cloaking device. As expected, there will be a set of bonuses. The Valiant and Core have the following set bonuses. Overclocked, a passive, which reduces the charge time on cloak, and Critical Ambush, granting a bonus to critical chance and critical severity for a short time after exiting the cloak. Just add the cloaking device for the Valiant and the enhanced induction coils for the core. The Malum has a 3 set bonus. Enhanced projectile efficiency, reducing the charge time on destabilised plasma torpedo ability. The enhanced projectile potency, increasing torpedo damage, reducing torpedo recharge time and shield penetrating torpedoes, increasing torpedo shield penetration. Add the Singularity Stabilizer and the Plasma Destabilizer to the Malum to get the bonuses. Look for these ships in the Sea Store. Oh, and I definitely will. I know one member of our team is extremely excited about one of these. Woohoo! Well, yeah. <laughs> Guess which one? It's me! <laughs> you can put me on the list too, I think. I I dig the trait, the, uh, the Scatter Volley. The, yes. Mm. The tier five trait. I like that. I like being able to extend extend the scatter volley time, and uh, having an extra torpedo. Now, is that a three hundred and sixty arc torpedo? Can you fire that in any direction? Uh, what? I don't think it's a three hundred and sixty. No. Uh, take note, cryptic. Boy, that would make me. That would that would that would that would be a surefire sale right there. That doesn't even turret. make any sense. It's a warhead module. Three hundred and sixty. It's a module. Just bolt it anywhere. Put it on a turntable. Give it some hinges. Uh, spin the wheel and win. Spin the wheel and win. <laughs> okay. We need to look into that. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like that. I don't think. It's, I don't like it. Oh, I love it. I think it's a fantastic. Okay. What do you think, Winters? Don't you think it's a fantastic idea? Sure, Tony. Whatever you say, dude. <laughs> You're gonna buy it, wouldn't you? Like a 360 torpedo? I can shoot six of them at the same time. Uh, yeah, no, that does... It, it It definitely sounds interesting and could do some really cool things with a build, but I'm I'm of the school of thought of maximizing the potential, so I tend to go with either all energy builds or all kinetic builds. Uh, well, hell, this would make Torpedo Boat Extreme right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Th definitely. Throw that on there and throw the uh, the other Universal Console from the, uh, the old uh, uh, heavy carrier escort. Mm -hmm. The torpedo, the, the three, the, the torpedo point defense thing. Yes. Oh, you'll melt stuff. Oh yeah. I just don't think this three hundred and sixty degree torpedo thing would work. It's really it's easy. Imagine you go on the database, no, but... and you take out the ninety, and you put in three sixty, yeah. and then done. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking from done. a physical point of view because I like to believe that more or less everything in Stowe is yeah more or less plausible, and just. The amount that of, of stabilization that you'd have to do on that ship to, to support 360-degree torpedoes, especially if you had, like, what, seven of them? It just wouldn't, no, like, no, 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 no. This has already no. been done in the real world. Some uh, Navy ships, they've discontinued the system, but they had a rack where it, it would shoot a couple missiles, it would go vertical, and then a loader would come and put more missiles on, and then it would shoot, you know, shoot missiles again. It could turn and rotate 360 degrees, go up to 90-degree vertical. You know? It's already there. Well, It's already real-world but. Wait, but independently. What do you mean independently? So if you had seven... Sorry, we're going off on a bit of a tangent. If you had we're seven independent... Yeah, yeah, no. If you had seven independent 360-degree torpedoes... That's no, one module. Like, one module. It can, But it takes time to load each individual torpedo. So you can oh, interrupt, I see. You interrupt the loading and go, ah, I'm done, three's good, three's good, turn it off, and then you shoot it. 
I gotcha. So you'd be shooting them all in one go. Okay, that that I could that could be plausible. I could see, see that. technology. But you know, nerds getting together, making stuff up, and and totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, to be fair, you can explain almost anything in Star yeah, Trek. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. So, if we wanted to make it so, we could make it so. Nice one. Thanks. So, as how many of us are going to actually pick up any of these ships? No. I might. It's going to depend well, on the, the ang- it's going to depend on the arc. It's really going to depend on the angle. Uh, really? I think I think it might. Yeah? Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. The reason I'm I'm a maybe is cuz I I remember a few episodes ago we were talking about the types of ships <laughs> that we flew and uh, I'm a guardian girl. I've always flown guardians and the one time ages ago at about level 20 um, that I tried an escort I just couldn't handle it. It was too uh, too all over the place for me, and I, I I just couldn't fly it to be honest. Now that I've been playing the game for an awful lot longer, I'm starting to feel like my guardians are a little slow and unwieldy, and I'm thinking about making the change over to escorts, but I haven't found one that caught my eye yet. And this one is uh, kind of catching my eye. I'm not sure whether I'm going to lay down cash for it, but the defiance the only escort I've ever loved. Yes, same here. So if you're gonna do yeah, it, this see, is the one to do. Yeah. See, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I think as well. So I'll have to see. I'll probably pick it up, but I don't think I'm gonna pick it up straight away because after looking at the stats, my current fleet T5U has basically the same stats as uh, a fleet tier six version of this ship, mm. with the exception of the ability to use pilot um, abilities. The pilot seating. And that just isn't a big thing for me. So I'm not in a huge rush to pick it up, but I will pick it up at some point in the future. Well, that kind of brings us on to patch notes. It was another big week for patch notes, and I'll just pick out some of the highlights because there's quite a lot there, actually. So they resolved an issue that was preventing the KDF dilithium starships from receiving the proper discounts from the fleet dilithium mine. They've also resolved an issue that was blocking some players from being able to use species which had previously been purchased. This also means that they're now once again available to purchase in the sea store for those who do not already own those species. Players that own the Fleet Garamba Siege Destroyer Tier 6 can now purchase Stinger Pets from the Hangar Pet Stores. They've also resolved an issue which had stopped the events from running on Defera and Nukara. The rewards for the PvEQs Terok, Nor, and Counterpoint have been increased following some rather vocal player feedback. And they have also resolved an issue that was causing some players to enter into an empty blue map when queuing for a fleet alert PvE match, which, while it was entertaining to watch, was kind of um, difficult to then actually do. So there are a few known issues that are still outstanding as well. Foundry functions are still temporarily unavailable uh, since the launch of Season 11. Back clients, which were having trouble logging in, can now log in, but they still might experience a crash a few minutes into their playtime. Also, occasionally ships can be invisible after map transferring, and this one actually happened to me last week, and it was uh, very confusing. And finally, the episode The Vault cannot be completed at this time. As always, I'd recommend that you read through the patch notes for yourself. We'll leave a link to them in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO247. One of the things that that was in the patch notes that uh, you guys hadn't highlighted, but uh, it pertains to the uh, uh, Cardassian arc, is that they didn't get quite get all the voiceovers hooked together properly. At the end of one of the missions, the, the commander mission giver person 
comes back congratulating you on finishing the prior mission. So yeah, it's it. Yeah, they've got some they've got some file renaming to to, to get done. Again this week, in an effort to bring some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Jeremy Randall at Bordicus Cryptic tweeted, Some days I have to remind myself, it will only completely obliterate the ability to even log into the game if I get it wrong. No biggie. I wonder what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thomas Maroney at cryptic underscore TTC posted, Anyway, I'm really tired but also really pleased with the ship I'm finishing up tonight. I think you guys will like her. Not to be at ease. And at Zeronius Rex also tweeted a picture. Scenes from work, a reverent whiteboard edition. Which is when they were putting up ideas, much as like we were talking about earlier, of what the new Star Trek show would be. Some of them were really funny. And yeah, very I actually seen that during the week. Yep, Janeway's baby's also made in it as well, just said. <laughs> Star Trek The Search for More Money. Here. Which is a total rip of Spaceballs. <laughs> but really funny. Yeah, I think oh they dear. even put up um, Star Trek 2408. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. The Mirror Universe Invasion event is back. Now, through the 26th of November, players can complete the daily PvE queue to earn marks and multi-dimensional transporters. Collecting 14 multi-dimensional transporters and contributing them to the event reputation project will earn you a brand new Mirror Universe Agony Rifle and a selection of other prizes. Is, are you drilling me? Is it called the Agony Rifle? Yes, it's called the Mirror Universe Agony Rifle. Right? <laughs> Isn't right. every rifle an Agony Rifle, though? Isn't that Wait. sort of the idea of a rifle? Oh, the Agony. I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up right now. I mean, you, you wouldn't want it to be like the Tickle Rifle. That would sort of defeat the purpose of a rifle. <laughs> Where's the blooming thing? I've lost it now. I'm just double-checking because I've not oh, seen yes. this yet. In addition to earning a choice of marks for playing the Mirror Invasion queued event, players can run a new reputation project to earn a huge reward of dilithium, marks, and a unique Mirror Universe Agony Rifle details below. Oh. Men, you better watch out. Sorry. They've got Agony Rifles. Sir, these rifles hurt more than Herald Rifles? No, about the same. They all really hurt. You don't want to get shot <laughs> by all... any of them. Avoid them if you can. The agony is that they're so tiny. They look ridiculous. <laughs> oh, so they're a pain they're to shoot. Of... Oh, that makes more sense. Of... Yeah, yeah, don't. And they're also kind of pink. Oh, well, Cookie will love that. Yeah. So no, sorry, I just had to double check. I honestly thought Winter was yeah. trolling me again. Oh, no, God. It sounds like a troll, but if you say they're a pain to shoot and carry and people will make fun of you for using them, okay, now I understand why it's agony. I get it now. There's also a fleet project event running, so if you've missed any of the old limited time projects, you can slot them now. There's no end date for this event yet, but you should get in there quickly if you don't want to miss out. After all, every fleet star base should have a fish tank. The featured episode Hearts and Minds is back this weekend for Friday the 13th, and there's an R&D weekend coming up on the 26th. Finally, if you're in the market for a lifetime subscription, you can pick one up for the special price of just 199 US dollars, but only through the 26th of this month. As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar, or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Now let's chat to Jeremy Randall, a.k.a. Borticus, staff system designer for Star Trek Online. 
Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Today in the studio, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Jeremy Randall, aka Borticus, staff system designer from Cryptic Studios. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. For those out there who only know you by name and at handle, could you tell us a bit about what you do at Cryptic and what an average day is like for you? Uh, sure. Uh, just to be fair, there is really no average day. <laughs> but mm. what I do is uh, <laughs> is systems design. Um, from a high level, that's pretty much everything in the game that isn't art or mission content. Uh, that includes items, powers, balance concerns, uh, power mechanics, uh, rewards, reputations, admiralty, of course, which I think we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those little, uh, all those uh, progression system specializations, that's all the purview of the systems team. That's great. So coming up, like you said, we've got a few questions on the admiralty system and then a few more quick fire round general sort of style questions. For anyone who hasn't logged into the game yet for the new season, could you give us a bit of a brief overview on what the Admiralty system is? Uh, Sure. Uh, Admiralty is basically a high-level progression system where you can use uh, Admiralty ships, which are representative of the uh, ship classes that you have purchased or earned or gained access to over the course of leveling, and send those ships off on assignments on your behalf and have them reap rewards. Uh, bringing back and giving you all the nice shinies. It is in some ways similar to the duty officer system that most players are uh, should be familiar with in the case that you um, assign things off to get rewards for you and uh, wait for the timers to tick down and then mm-hmm. uh, uh, reap your rewards at the end. Um, Admiralty is designed as a high-end system, kind of um, fictionally, like in-universe, by the time you gain access to the system, which is level 52, uh, you are a, a high-ranking member of your respective faction, whether that's a, a fleet admiral or a major general, I think, is the KDF rank, implying that you have uh, access and authority over whole fleets of starships. So with Admiralty, we kind of wanted to bring that fiction into the player's hands. So can you give us some history then on where the Admiralty system came from? So can you tell us how long has it been in the works? Yeah, Admiralty is actually a an adaptation of a, a much larger system that was at one time designed and I, w- I don't want to say scrapped, but we had to. It was too large. Right. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I think Al mentioned before that, that there was a very large, very far-reaching exploration system planned out at one point, just planned on paper. Mm-hmm. And Admiralty was a, a small part of that. The the concept of you as an admiral sending your ships to perform. Uh, assignments on your behalf. It was, in the old system, going to be strictly exploration, and how that worked out, we never really finalized. Mm. But that small portion of that overall exploration system was able to be adapted into something that we could actually... um, something we could actually build and ship in a reasonable time frame. The the far-reaching goals of the overall exploration system were honestly beyond our scope, at least for anything we wanted to put out within the next, I don't know, two or three years. Right. Um, so it had to be um, made into something more bite-sized. Admiralty was born from that. Okay. Uh, the system that is on Holodeck now, the system that went live, is not exactly what was originally planned, but that, that was where it was adapted from. Oh, I see. So... Um... While we're on the topic of the exploration system, I know that that's not, you know, something that's going to happen in the next, I don't know, small amount of time. Um, 
but has that whole idea been scrapped or are, is it changing and, and adapting now? I, I, that's why I didn't want to use the word scrapped because exploration is still definitely something that we want to get back into Star Trek. We understand that the idea of uh, you know going where no man has gone before is is integral to mm. the Star Trek experience, and we do definitely want to get back to that. For the time being, we try to do that in like mission content, uh, having your captain go and explore new worlds, although the same new world that every other captain explores <laughs> but yeah we, we definitely want to get back to exploration the, the conversations are constant we're all we're always bandying about ideas to see what we can do um, the unfortunate constraints of, of time uh, really interfere with some of the far-reaching plans that we we've come up with in the past but mm. we definitely hope to get something out there into players hands in the future now that honestly might be a year or two down the line um, maybe three or, or it's impossible to say a timeline, yeah. but um, mm -hmm. it is something that we as developers would like to pursue still. But it's not you haven't you're not at the at the stage yet where you've got a firm plan of this is what we want to achieve with it. And we've got a timeline going on and this is how long. Well, you would. I know the timeline changes, <laughs> but, you know, you're still in discussions about what's that going to be and how is it going to be implemented? What's it going to bring to the game? With large systems like exploration would be, it usually starts with a lot of independent brainstorming and pitching mm -hmm. back and forth ideas, just basically, you know, over the cube walls um, yeah. in your personal time. Yeah, very conceptual, mm -hmm. high level stuff, not even really on paper. It's mostly just like, you know, a few notes in the in the corner of a post-it somewhere. Um, from there, once somebody feels like they have a solid concept of where they're going with it, they usually write up a pitch doc or a design document, and then that starts circula circulating among the uh, the leads and the the um, more authoritative positions within the company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and from there, then we start to see whether or not we have the time to do it, whether or not the system that has been roughed out would even serve the game in a way that we want to. Right. Uh, and it's only at that point that we start looking into scheduling things. So with something like this, is this something you would expect to see maybe towards an expansion rather than a season update? It's really hard to say because, the, as I said, we did have a design and we weren't able to pursue it. So it's unclear to me at this point uh, whether we're going to try and retool that design or make something new. And it, um, to answer your question, it's really a question of scope. If exploration mm -hmm. is enormous then it'll probably be a season, maybe even an expansion. But if it's something smaller that can fit into the daily flow of, a, of their existing gameplay, probably a, a season at best. Just moving on then, sticking with the same system, what kind of expansions to the Admiralty system can we expect? It was mentioned that the Romulan section was meant to launch with it. Could we see something like Cardassian or even something like the Borg in the future? Yeah, you're talking about campaigns. And, yes. Uh, yes, early on in the system, we actually had outlined a Romulan campaign as well, a Romulan Republic campaign. And that ended up being scrapped just for a time, but it'll be coming in the near future. All, a lot of the data is already set up there. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but sometime soon. As for other campaigns, we've talked about using basically anything that is a major political faction that the player could work on behalf of. So um, Cardassian, potentially, they're... The current state of the Cardassian, I think it's the Cardassian Union, in the STO timeline is a little bit up in the air. I'm not sure if they're in a position to be a political power in the quadrant. Um, and as for something like Borg, it, at best maybe Borg Collective, but they're pro I could see there being like a Delta Quadrant campaign that kind of lumps a few of those in together. 
Um, nothing's been solidly planned, but the, the goal of the Admiralty system was to make it be very easily expandable. Campaigns are the way in which we'll do that. So there's been a lot of love for the Admiralty system so far. I know that um, the people that I've been playing with have been really excited about the, the gameplay style, the rewards that they've been getting, just the concept of being able to have this Admiralty system for their admirals. Would we be seeing any changes potentially to the DOF system off of that good feedback? There's, uh, there have been plans in the back of our heads to um, streamline and improve the DOF system for quite a while now. It's very difficult with a system that has been live for that long because anything that we do is likely to be seen as the players losing something, even mm. if ultimately what mm. we're doing is making enjoyable or more engaging. So revamping DOFs is, is a known danger it is something that we still want to do, but it has to be done very carefully. As for whether or not things seen in Admiralty will improve that, absolutely. Uh, we actually took the time when we were creating the Admiralty system to uh, streamline some of the the, uh, the back end, um, yeah. the, the code, the underlying processes that drive a lot of that, which is unfortunately why you might see be seeing some uh, bugs right now in mm -hmm. Holodeck with assignment availability. Right. Um, that is likely an unfortunate side effect of some of the streamlining we did to assignment availability for the purposes of Admiralty. But um, all those changes were made with future-facing goals in mind that use that newly created uh, code base to improve things for the DOF system if we chose to. And how transferable is that knowledge between systems like that? So um, just as an example that we were just talking about, the DOF system versus the Admiralty system, I mean, they're, they're two very different systems. Are you able to use parts of one to sort of port over into another one to get a bit of extra functionality? Can you do that? Or is it really you can learn use learnings from one to help the other, but you wouldn't directly pour anything over under the hood they are actually a lot more similar than a player might expect mm. uh, all of the duty officer assignments all of the admiralty assignments and actually all of r&d projects as well are all part of the same um, subset of library pieces in our code called item assignments mm. where you send an item on an assignment Right. And everything that supports that functionality, it's used in different ways, obviously, um, but it's all boiled down to it. It's all the same thing yeah. uh, at its foundation. So uh, using the lessons and updates from one se one part of that system for another is actually relatively simple. I won't I won't actually say that anything in our job is simple because we make it hard for ourselves. I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> A glutton for punishment. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> But there are other parts of the game that are similar like that. Uh, the fleet project systems and the reputation are also two parts of the game that are based on the same uh, foundation of code, uh, as was actually all the Delta recruit projects as well. All mm. of that is, is built on the same underlying uh, code principles. Interesting. Well, since we've mentioned other parts of the game, are we ready for a bit of quickfire questions on other systems and different things? Uh, yeah, if you're done with Admiralty, I'm done with Admiralty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh -oh. here we go. Are there new specializations coming? Well, I can I can say yes, but I don't know what they are yet. Right. <laughs> I don't think anybody really does. Uh, Goran Gonzola, Phil, uh, one of my coworkers, and I spend a lot of time spitballing what they could be, as well as how quickly we might be able to get them out. We both want to see at least one more specialization in the very near future. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but that's we want to find the time to try and do it. Yeah. I think if you opened it up the, to the community, you could get some pretty interesting suggestions. 
You know, coming up with ideas is actually not the hardest part of it. Um, it a lot of it comes down to the other, uh, the logistics of the whole thing that we've mm. kind of painted ourselves into a few corners. We accepted these. We don't, I don't think they're a bad thing. But if you do a primary specialization, you know, the whole uh, 30 point tree. Yep. Then mm-hmm. we're going to do a bridge officer, and we're going to do a new bridge officer seat. Uh, right. Those three things yes. all come yeah, as a uh-huh. package deal. We don't want to use do one without any of the others. So now, on the other hand, though, we could potentially make secondary specializations, which don't have any of that baggage, right. relatively quickly. But we we have to make sure that that's the right choice for the game. Right. So that you'd be because at the moment you can make all of the specializations either primary or secondary. Right. With the exception of Commando. Right, which is only secondary. Right, okay. But again, that's another reason that people... We have had requests to expand Commando into a, a primary tree. There are a few people that apparently just love Commando and want to, want to be a, a ground pounder. But the the limitation there, again, is that that implies a bridge officer seat and a bridge officer specialization. Right. And new ships that support that. Right. Up with, with space-based Commando stuff is... Um, not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this seems like it's a, it, that's a little bit of a disconnect on that one. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that a, a, a commando as primary will ever happen. Mm. Um, I won't completely rule it out. It's just less likely than us doing new secondary specializations or even a new primary mm. sometime in the near future. So with that in mind, what kind of departments would you like to see added to the game? I think that there's room for a, a really heavy science specialization, something like a, a an anomalist or deflector specialist, something that has to deal with the, all the space wizardry, mm. uh, for lack of, of better terminology. Um, intelligence was a bit science-leaning, but it was also um, kind of out there. It was a, Intelligence doesn't really fit in any of the molds. Um, I would like to see a specialization that focuses even more on the science aspects um, mm. of, uh, of Star Trek and see how wacky we could get. Well, I know that there are a lot of players who are constantly looking for more science content in terms of ships and kits and things like that. And mm-hmm. that that po- potentially could be a, a stopgap into, you know, further developments that maybe they'd like that. There is a obvious um, perceived imbalance, probably a real imbalance, um, well... I don't know if I should say probably. Uh, it's kind of undeniable that a, a cruiser or a escort in, uh, will usually right now outperform a science vessel just in terms of raw like DPS contribution. Um, a, a specialization that could bridge that gap or make it um, make it smaller of a gap is is fine, but I'm not sure that it's the right long-term goal for the game because it's uh, it's kind of creating something that you have to get in order to change the meta hmm. this this is always a difficult decision to make when you're when you're uh, introducing new things to the game is is if if i try to do something that improves a specific facet of the game shouldn't i just be improving the game instead of making something that's a band-aid on top of it mm. true um yeah. we always we have to make those decisions constantly so a science spec I think it needs to be good for everybody yeah. if we ever do something like that. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the next question. Can you tell us about any plans for the PvP part of the game? So is there anything that's in the works to respond to the many players who believe that either PvP is dead or it's broken? And now we come to the disappointing part of the interview. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say we're cutting PvP or anything drastic like that, but uh, it's obvious that PvP doesn't get a lot of focus in STO. There are so many considerations to take into, uh, so many things to take into consideration when we talk about PvP and STO. Um, 
one of the major things though is we just have to we don't quite have the design man hours to support a fully fleshed out and fun pve experience and pvp experience right. with the current state of the game uh, if we would have started earlier i think we might have been able to not get into the position that we're in but the unfortunate fact is we we are where we are mm-hmm. we can't we can't just roll that backwards yeah so pvp and the subject of improving it or introducing new mechanics or or all sorts of thing is something that comes up uh, in the office quite frequently but it's also a question of return on investment right. and improving something like pvp really would require a a kind of a mechanical restart in in many ways and there just aren't enough hours in the day to do what we want yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and with those hours that we would invest that would mean that we aren't doing things like making new ships or creating new space sets for a new reputation or a new admiralty campaign right. it's all a give and take and we have to make sure that anything that we make um, is going to be good for the long-term life of the game. Mm-hmm. And the fortunate truth is that PvP has a very small audience. Right. Now, maybe if we improved it, that audience would grow a bit, but I just don't think that Stowe is ever going to really be a PvP game. So while we as designers would love to see a stronger PvP uh, community, better PvP mechanics, um, more people engaged with the system, it's... It, 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 kind of a chicken in the egg system yeah. uh, situation and we have to decide when if ever is the right time to try and overcome that okay. is there any chance that you might be able to introduce just new maps for pvp um uh, there's always a chance i won't completely rule it rule it out um but again uh new maps mean that content designers are doing that instead of making a new mission or revamping an old mission or uh, making a new queue it, again it's all give and take what do you think from speaking as somebody who's sort of on the inside team what thing could happen that would suddenly shove pvp to the top of the priority that's a really good question uh because i I, honestly i would love to see it happen i know that the the group of gamers that play mmos there's a big portion of them that like to beat up their friends Um, (laughs) inexplicably (laughs) (laughs) and i I would i would really like to cater to that so let's see what would push it to i I, for for star trek online i think the thing that we need is time Mm -hmm. but uh in order to decide when we spend that time i think what it might come down to is just a really great design idea something that could be done to revitalize the system in a way that it rebuilds certain aspects of the game or, or retools the way that combat works uh, just in the perfect way so that we can finally say this will make PvP great. I don't know how that could happen, but I think that's the big first step. Mm. So if we're ready for the next one, which is a slight shift away. One controversy from a while back was when the embassy consoles got, for lack of a better word, nerfed because they weren't working as intended for all weapon types. Can you give us an update on that? Um, well, well uh, first I'd like a clarification. Is this from when they were changed to uh, not function the same with plasma weapons as they, they did with all other weapons? No, I think this is the one where the proc doesn't count on fire at will. Oh, okay. Because basically it was working for beams, but it wasn't working for other weapon types. Right. It could it could crit on fire at will and never elsewise. Yeah. Okay, and you'd like an update on that. Yeah. Um, the the situation that caused that was code based, so unfortunately it's a little outside of my my expertise. Um, 
and I honestly don't know the the uh, I don't actually know the status on that. I'd have to check with our programmers to see if they've been able to spot what was causing the problem and whether or not it's something that we could fix. I believe that the the temporary fix that we put in is that the consoles never crit because they were only critting during fire at will. Yeah, uh, which was causing. Yeah, I think that was the solution. Yeah, it's it was intended to be a quick fix, so it's something that we'd like to bring back eventually. Yeah. I know that a lot of players gear for crit, mm-hmm. so having a portion of their build not be able to benefit from that, I, I can understand why you'd be upset by that. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check with our programmers when I get back to the office and and see if we can get an update on that. And just generally speaking, what what's the process internally when something like that happens, when you identify an issue that needs to be sort of addressed? Does that issue then go on to a large list? Does it then, does it go through a prioritization process? How does that work internally? Everything needs to be prioritized and uh, a lot of it is done by our producers, people like uh, Zero and, and Salami. Mm-hmm. Uh, will handle the prioritization of that. So, so do the leads. Yeah. They uh, they help determine if no, don't spend your time on that. You need to fix this instead. Um, but it also comes down to individual um, individual motivation and uh, being your own producer to a certain extent. Yeah. Everybody on the team has has to has a, has to be a bit of a self starter. Yeah. Um, otherwise, things just don't get done. Well, yeah. <laughs> So when a when a major bug comes out like this, there's usually somebody within the team that will champion it um, and and determine the right course of action. Right. In the case of the embassy consoles, uh, we looked at what was causing the problem and identified that it was a code issue. Yeah. At that point, we realized that us on the systems team weren't capable of fixing it. Right. So we had to explore alternatives. That's that's how we arrived at the situation of preventing it from crit at all. Yeah. That was honestly the best that we could do for the time being to bring some sort of parity. As far as uh, prioritizing when or how the uh, programmers will look at bugs like that, um, that's a bit out of my realm of expertise, uh, a bit out of what I have any control over, unfortunately. Uh, So you can't put a word in or anything for us. you know, there's there's other things that I would rather put a word in yeah. for, honestly, like the assignment availability on the duty officers. Mm-hmm. Same people have to fix yeah. uh, major issues like that. Yeah. So it, it does come down to prioritizing which one is more important to more people yeah. frequently is the it's a determining factor. Yeah. And in the case of these consoles, they don't not work. They just don't work at 100%. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think there was a lot of um, discussion in the community. A lot of people, I think, understood that that was the case. It was trying to uh, balance out something that was working as intended for some people, but actually, in reality, giving them an unfair advantage. So I think most people understood what what the um, decision-making process was there. It's also not quite... uh, It's not... I wouldn't call it giving someone an unfair advantage because... It was working as intended for fire at will. I'll, I'll go on record as saying yeah. that. But everybody else was not working as intended. And the the real reason that led us to turn it off, turn off the ability to crit for everyone, isn't just so that fire at will would stop benefiting or stop being so awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so that players had a choice of what they were doing. Yeah. If they bought a bunch of embassy consoles and wanted to make use of that and they were expecting to crit, their only choice was beams with fire at will. Yeah. And that's that's boring. We like to generate choice as much as we can in the game. So so breaking down those walls and allowing people to make different decisions without feeling like they're nerfing themselves, that is something we like to try to encourage. 
Okay, so moving on to the next question. Uh, we've got several player-made parsers out there. Uh, we talked to Al last week about um, getting an in-game DPS parser, and he kind of gave that a no-go. But I wondered, how accurate do you think that some of the external parsers are? Accurate? Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, I, had, I hadn't really thought about this. I have a feeling they're, they're very accurate. Um, but... There's always a possibility that something goes wrong, especially when you're talking about number of operations per second. Mm -hmm. um, our combat log is, uh, well, for lack of a better term, it just can't keep up with the modern power system. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible that uh, it doesn't report everything or it doesn't uh, report everything at the uh, proper time stamp mm -hmm. that's actually occurring on the server. But I, I think that the parsers probably read those logs with as much accuracy as they're capable of. Yeah. If there's an, an inaccuracy, it's more likely with the combat log output yeah. rather than the reading thereof. Oh, interesting. And if there's an inaccuracy, I think it might actually mean that players are doing more damage than they're seeing, if anything. Well, that happened with, um, wasn't that that fleet, uh, the fleet research lab console when it very first came out and it was, um, it was buffing itself. And yes. uh, we had a couple of like, that was hilarious. yeah, some ridiculously <laughs> high runs that just basically yeah, broke, the parser, broke the parser. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it was possible to hit so hard that you would also do a stack overflow on the on the numeric and it would start displaying as uh, as um, exponentials. Oh, wow! Wow! And <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's limited to seven digits yeah. in the combat log output, and then it starts showing as, as exponentials. Crikey. Um, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, people were hitting really freaking hard. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that bug affected everybody that had the things. Yeah. Everybody equally. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to see people run through uh, infected space in, in four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll bring us to the last question that we have for you today. I think with the many systems that are coming out and the general interest around the game and everything that's new, people have been inquiring about the triple testing process. Is it possible, mm. can you tell us a bit about it and how can players get involved if that's something they're interested in? Uh, it's a relatively painful process, to be honest. Um, on your launcher, you should see a, an option to... Uh, switch servers to the triple test server. Um, that's all that's necessary. Now, it, it will have to make a second copy of your entire install, so you'll need extra uh, hard drive space to support all those duplicate files. Um, but it, uh, the good news for bandwidth limited people is that it doesn't have to download all of that unless it's a new file. Anything that you already have that's an exact copy on both servers, mm -hmm. it just copies from your existing folder. Uh, so it doesn't have to waste all your bandwidth uh, downloading it. Once you're on the server, well, in order to get a character onto the server, there's also a character transfer page that we have at Perfect World's uh, website. If you go into the Triple Test uh, server subforums on our on our official forums, there's a thread that's um, stickied right at the top of there that shows you how to transfer your character. But once your character is transferred over and you connect to the Triple Test server, you're you're ready to go. Um, so anytime we so anytime we put up new content on there, um, which we, uh, unless we're having forum issues, <laughs> put up patch notes for, mm -hmm. uh, they're in the Tribble sub forums. Um, you can you can hop on there and try it out. Now the actual testing process is actually no different than our live server, as far as players are concerned. Uh, you if you encounter a bug or encounter something that doesn't seem like it should be how the game goes live. Um, you can leave feedback or leave bug reports. 
uh, on the forums is the best place to do it for Tribble because I'm not sure. For a long time, we had an actual bug in the bug system <laughs> on Tribble <laughs> uh, where your bug reports um, wouldn't actually make it to us. That's ironic. Um, yeah, it's a little unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so the forums are the best place to get bug reports to us devs. Um, and that's pretty much it. Was there a portion of the of the process that you wanted more enlightenment on? Yeah, it was more of a general question to see how people can get involved. And I know that you guys have been doing a few special events recently, uh, probably not since Season 11 has launched, but where you've been looking at retooling some of the powers. I know a few... Uh, Gosh, it might have been a month or so ago now, where you're holding special events on Triple. What's the best place to find out about things like that going on? Um, probably follow, if you're interested in power tuning, then it's probably best to follow me on Twitter. Um, if I remembered what my Twitter handle was, I would give it to you right now. Let me see if I can find that. But um, powers testing on Triple is usually something I take on myself. Mm -hmm. So if you follow me on Twitter, I am likely to announce it there. It, it's just at Bordicus Crypt. No dash, no underscore, no anything. Yep. Bordicus cryptic. Okay. On tri on uh, on Twitter. The the specific powers testing that we were doing in that last round was performance related things. That's not something that we actually do a lot of. But whenever we're interested in getting some solid feedback on on a specific feature, we will uh, we'll either announce it there or we'll put up an official feedback thread mm -hmm. on the uh, feedback subforum on the triple subforum. Um, and if you see an official feedback thread, that that's an it's implied that we're looking for, well, we're looking for specific feedback on that feature, and having more players hop over to Tribble and try it out, uh, and then leave their impressions is helpful to us. It might be also worth noting that you don't have to leave feedback only if something's broken. We like hearing if something works, <laughs> and we like hearing uh, why you like it uh, if you do like it. Um, why you don't like it is also valuable feedback. Uh, if you leave it constructively. <laughs> um, but why you do like something or why something is working for you is actually is probably more valuable than you might think. That's great. There's one thing I do miss. I miss getting the tribbles on Holodeck for doing um, stuff on Tribble. Anyone remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do miss that. I, I think I made all of those prom promotional tribbles. And they were all brilliant. Um, it's, uh, it's difficult to get that uh, login data. Uh, mm. You might have, you might remember that the last couple ones that we gave, we just basically ended up giving the triple to everybody. Yeah. The the logging data isn't isn't a hundred percent, and taking the time to set that up is, well, that's time that could be spent fixing bugs instead. Yeah. <laughs> True. Well, I think that's all we have today. Well, then all that's left to do is to see, Embortacus. Thank you for joining us today and for taking the time out of your day to speak to us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Admirals, we're at that part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, What's your best wild speculation about what will happen in the rest of this season's story arc? But before we begin, we want to give a special shout out to Gavin Runblade, who's been listening to the back catalogue and making some great comments as he goes. Thanks for keeping the discussion going. Sonic Skyrat wrote via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Wow, what a great app. So much to cover and talk about. So here's my general feedback first. 
Rise in the dill cap worries me. The system is not perfect, I know, but I think it's too open for it to be taken advantage of. You think they changed the delta rewards last week to 20 for no reason? The dill price is so high now, adding more dill just makes it worse. Eklanar commented via prior to unpodcast.com, Salami Inferno says a dilithium ship sale will be extended. Excellent. Nice. I wonder if it'll extend it as far as to when dry docking appears. Maybe. Maybe. Sean Newboy posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Wonderful show, everyone. Love the dilithium song you cut. Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. Dilithium. Dilithium. Star Chaser posted via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Woohoo! Finally, a new Star Trek series is in development. So, my speculation for Season 11's story, I'm not really sure where it will be going, but I do have some questions that I want answered as the story progresses. Who is to turn Empire's benefactor from the future? Why did the Prophets want us to return the Parathe's orb? As I was writing this, I now wonder if perhaps Mirror Caldano is the turn Empire's benefactor. Yay! New Star Trek series in development. Will you do a special podcast where you speculate what the series could be about and mention what you would like to be in it? Maybe you could even invite some STO staff to guest host and speculate with you. God, that's a good idea. I think it has the, the, the potential to be a very long Epic. episode. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Caruncho writes via Facebook, Thank you, I enjoyed the podcast, but was a bit disappointed with the lack of a PvP revamp question. It's something Star Trek Online sorely needs, a balanced and rewarding endgame that is both fun and self-generating when it comes to content. After all, there's only so many times you can do a PvEQ or battle zone before it gets boring. And that is part of the reason that we asked that question to Bordicus, so... I'm not sure you'll be satisfied with the answer, but at least we have an answer. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash podcast or follow us on Twitter at PriorityOnePod or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 247 of Priority One Podcast. Before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. What one thing would you most like to see in the new Star Trek series? Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on twitter via at priority one pod you can even join in the priority one podcast chat in game just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one admirals we want to thank you for your ongoing support of priority one podcast Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs, and with additional contributions, we can continue to grow the network and bring you more of the content you love. Please consider a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, sharing this podcast with your friends is a great way to support the show. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Card Frequency Podcast at cardfrequency.com covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. 
The Priority One fleet is recruiting and there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now you can become part of our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. And if you'd like to see more from our fleet, be sure to tune in to the fleet live stream at 8 p.m. Eastern every Saturday night at twitch.tv forward slash priority one. A special thanks to Jeremy Randall for joining us this week. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated and consistent contributions over the years, including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah, our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost and James Calvin. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romuald O'Neill and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs. That's T-O-W-R-Y designs.deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Stowe community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Kenna, Trek It Out, Sync 1. This is Mark, Trek It Out, Sync 2. This is Winters, T-I-O, Sync 3. <laughs> <laughs> you keep trying to make that happen. The new series is set to premiere in gener- it, it, gen- January... I thought you were going to say Generations. How do you... <laughs> generations, yeah. I'm going to go back in time and do the stuff. Right. The new series is set to... Okay. The new series is set to premiere in January of 2017. That's not even how you say that. I mean, it is. Some people say it like that. That's not how I say it. I don't even know why I said that. Oh, God. The brand new Star Trek will... Before we get into the... Do the theme. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Still keep my mouth shut. Oh. Uh, <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> beep beep. Beep uh, Don't say Disneyland. If you say Disneyland, I'm going to smack somebody. Disney World. No! Yes. <laughs> that was for you. Okay. Uh, no, no. And I'm using the word syncophantic because I really don't think I can use the word...
asshole on this podcast. Thomas Marone at cryptic underscore TTC. Marone, sorry. Um, Thomas Marone like, at Marone. Like Boney Marone. Damn, like bo- damn like trying, Maroney. I'm trying my best here. You gotta learn Maroney. how to pony. Maroney. Like Boney Marone. Is that, is that, no, I'm gonna shut up now. Okay. Shut up. Yes, I'm going back into my corner. <laughs> That's Kenna banging her head off the door. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Marone. I've got a giggle brewing. Mark. I know, I've got a giggle brewing. I'm trying to suppress it's, it. Just get it out. Just get it out. No. Better out than in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Judas. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark is good. Right, there, it, it's, it's, the giggle is out. Yeah, the giggle it's, is out. Repeat, the giggle <laughs> is out. Uh-huh, I'm just making sure we knew what. Oh, mercy. Uh, yep.